And now, the Asheville Museum of Science presents 7-Minute Science, powered by the 828.com. Welcome to our maiden voyage, a podcast for the curious, if you will. We hope to answer science questions that you've wondered about in seven minutes or less with the help of an expert. I'm Ken from the 828.com. Hi, Ken. I'm Corey from the Asheville Museum of Science. I'm so excited to be here. Seven Minute Science is a great way to learn something new while you're driving to work, on a run, or even doing the dishes. So thank you for joining us. And let's get started with this week's science question. Yeah, we are going to be tackling topical and today tropical subjects because we've all been watching everything churning in the Atlantic. It has been a very active hurricane season. And so today we've invited our expert, Dr. Carl Schreck, uh, to answer the question, how do hurricanes form? I love the fact that, Corey, you being with the Asheville Museum of Science, you know some really smart people. You bring some really smart friends to the table. Well, uh, luckily, Dr. Carl Schreck came to me. Uh, we, we have partnered with uh, science pubs that we do, and uh, we were chatting, and he just so happens to be a hurricane expert. And I said, perfect, let's get you on the show. Yeah, because we're not going to be relying on my buddies to make this thing a success. It's going to be everybody <laughs> you're bringing to the table. Dr. Carl, welcome. Thank you. Good to see you. Now, we should let everybody know that uh, Dr. Carl is from the North Carolina Institute for Climate Studies, CICS. It's like NCIS, but with fewer corpses, right? Right, right. Okay. Uh, he is the <laughs> co-editor of the annual State of the Climate Report and explaining extreme events reports for the Bulletin of Atmospheric Sciences and serves as a research assistant professor with NCSU's Department of Marine, Earth, and Atmospheric Sciences, as well as an adjunct associate professor with NCANT. Dr. Carl, is there anything you don't do? Uh, probably not, no. <laughs> yeah, you are a busy guy, so thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Glad to be here. So you are uh, the man to turn to as we talk about why hurricanes form. And let's explain, Corey, the way this works every week is we're going to bring an expert to the table and you and I are going to try to learn something with everybody else. That's right. We're going to try to answer these questions in about seven minutes. Um, and the way this is going to work is we'll ask you questions. You kind of teach us about the uh, subject. And then if we're listening correctly, we will be able to recap what we've learned in the end of the show so that everybody can have a quick recap. So are we ready? Let's do it. All Our right. seven minutes starts now. Let's do it. So uh, can you briefly define what a hurricane is for us to get started? Yeah, so a hurricane is a large storm that typically develops over the ocean. They spin counterclockwise uh, in the northern hemisphere. Uh, they typically uh, form as, they come off, as uh, storms come off of Africa and move westward towards the United States. And these are large storms with lots of heavy winds, lots of heavy rain. And as they approach land, sometimes they can cause uh, severe storm surge where they actually push some of the ocean waters uh, up over the up over the land. So the counterclockwise spin, as you say, in the northern hemisphere, is that's what makes it different than a typhoon because we don't have typhoons here. We have hurricanes. Well, so yeah, hurricanes, uh, typhoons are in the western Pacific. They're also in the northern hemisphere as well. Uh, the only difference between a hurricane and uh, a typhoon is which side of the uh, international dateline they form on. Oh, but they still spin counterclockwise? Yep, they do. Down in the southern hemisphere, down near like Australia, they have ones that spin clockwise, and they call them 
cyclones, or I think they even call them willy willies. You know, Australians have all sorts of things. <laughs> That's right. Is that why their toilets spin backwards? I think so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that now, makes does sense. this have to do with the Coriolis effect at all? Exactly, yes. The Coriolis effect is what causes things, uh, because we live on a sphere that is spinning, that's what the Earth does, uh, the Coriolis effect turns things towards the right in the uh, northern hemisphere and towards the left in the southern hemisphere. And so the faster the wind is blowing from a high pressure to a low pressure, the more it gets turned to the right. And that's why instead of blowing straight into that, you know, hurricanes are big low pressure areas. So instead of the winds blowing straight into that low, they get turned to the right and they spin counterclockwise around the around the storm. Oh, okay. I see. Now let's break that down a little bit because there was a lot of information there. Um, so for example, let's take Irma. Where, what was the genesis of Irma and, and how did that start? Yeah, so Irma is what we call a, a, a Cape Verde storm uh, be, named after the uh, islands that are off the west coast of Africa out in the middle of the Atlantic. A lot of the strongest storms form in what we call the main development region. This is an area between Africa and the Caribbean islands where there's very warm ocean water and there are a lot of these kind of weaker storms that come off of Africa uh, kind of, you know, a little bit stronger than the typical, like, afternoon thunderstorm. And then once they get over that warm ocean water, they start feeding on that heat and that moisture in the ocean. And that helps them get stronger and stronger until they become eventually a hurricane. And then since they're forming so far off in the Atlantic, they have a lot of time to get stronger and stronger as they go across the ocean. And so some of the most uh, most dangerous storms, especially for the East Coast and for the Carolinas, uh, tend to be these Cape Verde storms like Irma. So when scientists see these Cape Verde storms form, that starts to get their attention. But it seems like until you're about a week out, and I'm just basing this on what I see on the Weather Channel, and that cone of uncertainty, it is really hard to predict if it's going to make landfall or if it's just going to go out into sea. What goes into tracking a hurricane's trek? Yeah, so the, the, the main thing that we use is uh, set a lot of satellite data. We just launched a new uh, geostationary satellite. So that's a satellite that sits in one place and looks down at the Earth. And it, it, it's been producing some amazing images of Irma and uh, Harvey and these other storms that we've been having. And so that, that's really useful because it's you know a, pic, uh, a camera sitting up there in space looking down at the Earth. It can track the storms all the time anywhere in the world. As the storms get closer to the U.S., uh, we have these hurricane hunters, these uh, people in the Air Force or that work for uh, other parts of the government that fly these big airplanes into the storms. You know, most, most pilots, if they see a hurricane coming, wow. they're going to fly the other way. Right. Uh, these guys, they fly right into the center of the storm. And they drop all sorts of sensors into the storm to figure out what the wind speed is and exactly where that storm is. And that helps them figure out uh, what the track is. Wow, that's incredible. I actually just watched a, a video uh, of an Air Force airplane kind of going through one of these storms, and it was incredible. You couldn't see anything, obviously. They were in the, those clouds. And then all of a sudden, they got into the eye of the storm, and there was a stadium full of clouds surrounding them, and it was unimaginably impressive. So I have a question regarding air is coming off of Africa um, and it's, it's now moving across the ocean. Uh, does that help fuel um, kind of the development of these clouds and how warm does that ocean have to be uh, for these storms to actually kind of start to form? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So if you kind of think about like during the summer, we get a lot of thunderstorms in the afternoon, right. especially on a hot, muggy day. 
And that's because, you know, we all know hot air rises and hot, humid air rises even faster. And so when these storms get over the ocean where the water is, you know, the water is typically over 80 degrees, um, sometimes even higher, that's re- that produces a lot of heat and a lot of moisture for these storms to feed off of. And so that makes the air really unstable. And so it rises even faster. And as the winds start to spin faster, the winds actually pick up more of that moisture and heat off of the ocean. So the faster the winds are going, the more it's collecting that heat and energy, and it just kind of feeds off itself and keeps getting stronger and stronger. Now, which side of the hurricane, looking at the 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock position, is it the northeast side? Is that indeed the worst side? Definitely, you want to want to look at the right as it's moving, which is typically the north or the east side for us. And the reason for that is the winds are kind of blowing in a circle around the storm. And so if the storm was just sitting in, in one place, the winds would be the same speed all the way around. But the storms don't sit in one place. They actually move. And so the side of the storm where the winds are blowing in the same direction as the storm's motion, the winds are a little bit stronger because you get the speed of the winds them, of the storm itself plus the speed of that motion. The storm surge gets higher the longer the fetch is that those winds are over, so the, the longer the winds are blowing in the same direction. And so you can think about as the storm's going, going forward on the right side, the winds are blowing along with the storm's motion, and it's just pushing that water all the way from far out in the ocean, all mm. the way up to the to the coast. Can we take a break for a definition? What is a fetch, Dr. Carl? Yeah, uh, fetch is like the um, the distance over which the wind is blowing. So, um, yeah, it's a hard hard one to explain. <laughs> no, it's, I wonder, yeah. I've never heard that before. No, That's I haven't good. either. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So it seems to be that you're able to predict with some certainty the direction that the hurricane is going to go and kind of at least the cardinal directions, and then it can curve with variations. But is it those planes that are going through the storm that help that situation? Yeah, so the, the, the planes and the satellites are very important for figuring out where the storm is and how strong it is. And then we take all of that information and we put it into computer models. And so these computer models are, they have information about the atmosphere all around the globe, like every 10 miles or so all, all over the world. And it estimates the temperature, the moisture, the pressure at all these points, and then uses the laws of physics to say, what's the, what's the atmosphere going to be in 30 seconds? And then 30 seconds after that, and keep stepping forward until you get a five or a 10 day forecast. And so that's where most of our weather forecasts come from. And especially for the hurricanes, you can't just run one model because one model might be wrong. So we run these ensembles of models so that we can get lots of ideas of where the storm might be. In the upper atmosphere, as that that air comes in and starts to rise, it cools, condenses, and turns into clouds. But what's happening real high up there in those clouds to, to kind of create this cycle? Does the air condense and stay up there, or where does it go? Yeah, so everything in the tropics is all about in, up, and out. So the in, winds. up, and out. Yeah, the winds go into the storm, gradually picking up that heat and moisture from the ocean. They go up in the clouds, and then they reach the top of the tropo- troposphere. We call it the tropopause, which is kind of like the level that most of the airplanes fly at. And it can't go up any farther because the stratosphere is a lot more stable. So then it goes outward from there. And um, that's actually one of the other ways that hurricanes can affect our weather is that that air, as it goes outward, can uh, produce uh, – it moves a lot of warm air further north and kind of warms warms mm. things up further north up here. So like 
a lot of times when a storm is hitting the Gulf Coast, we'll get warmer temperatures here from that warmer outflow up at the top. That sound, Dr. Carl, means it's time for us to switch chairs. This is the part of 7-Minute Science where Corey and I try to teach Dr. Carl all about hurricanes. Are you ready to grade us? Sounds good. Corey, you begin, sir. All right. Well, can I, I think we have what we need to be able to answer this question. What do you think? I think that we have taken no notes, I will add. We have just been uh, engaged in the conversation all and right. I think we've got the basics covered. All right, let's start Let's start with Africa, all right? So there are winds coming off of Africa, and they're feeding into um, our, a storm developing in the Atlantic. Am I correct in thinking that already? Yeah, so far so good. And the temperature of the water has to be warm, so around 80 degrees. Right. And because you're in the Atlantic, Corey, this would not be a typhoon. Nope, this, this would be a hurricane, right? right. And not a willy-willy either. Not a willy-willy, that's right. <laughs> and what direction are the winds going to be turning then? I would think that the winds are going to be going counterclockwise. Is that correct? Bingo. All right. And as those winds come and interact with that hot ocean water, they're going to rise. And as they rise, they condense to form these big clouds. And as you said, in, up, out. Is that correct? That's the big key. And the the warmer the water gets as the hurricane approaches, the more magnitude it can get. It continues strengthening, and it will be in that 10 to 15 percent of storms forming that will continue to stay together as it approaches from Africa, correct? Exactly, as long as it doesn't run into to wind shear. That's right. So as long as the, the wind speeds are not so different between the surface winds and the winds uh, up in the atmosphere, it should uh, stay strong along its center. Exactly. All right, and as it moves across the ocean, it tends to strengthen when it interacts with that warm water. And as it strengthens, uh, it you can track it uh, using satellites and also using all of this data that you're collecting from flying airplanes into it. And using that data, you throw those into models to see exactly where that hurricane will be tracking. And you're getting weather data from locations across the world every 10 miles apart. Exactly. And, and, that's the, and that's the great thing about it here in Western North Carolina. We collect all of that data right here in Asheville at the National Center for Environmental Information. We are the hub, Corey. That's really impressive and uh, kind of makes me, if I'm not already proud of Asheville, makes me even more proud of Asheville. You're in the, uh, uh, I know this was not part of the quiz, but but you're right uh, downtown in the federal building. Exactly, right? yeah, the, the big glass building with the funny uh, copper structure in front of it on Patton Avenue. Funny that they'd be in a big glass building because you're supposed <laughs> to probably get away from the windows. Yeah. That's all I'm saying, Dr. Carl. That's right. <laughs> not, now, to t- not to tell you your business. <laughs> now, what do you think? How do we do? I think you passed. Good job. Are we ready to come work in the big glass building? I, I think you are. Good luck. For at least seven minutes, Corey. That's yes. right. <laughs> Excellent. Dr. Carl, it was such a pleasure having you in. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Yes, and thank seven you so much. Minute Science is underway, powered by the Asheville Museum of Science and the 828.com. Corey, thank you so much. This has uh, been a pleasure, Ken. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. And you always bring the most fascinating people to the table. If you have a suggestion for a topic that you would like Corey and I to look into and find an expert guest, go to the 828.com slash science. Coming up on the next edition... The science of fear and what's actually going on inside your body when you watch a scary movie. Next time on 7-Minute Science. All right. Thank you. Take care.